Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the September 27th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. With us today is June Powers, with whom I will be discussing her poem, Coworkers, and my poem, Narcissus Delight. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of September 28th. From Monday, September 28th to Monday, October 5th, the Brooklyn Book Festival Virtual Fest will be taking place. You can find out more information at brooklynbookfestival.org. Again, that's brooklynbookfestival.org. From 8 p.m. Central Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground open mic on Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. On Tuesday, September 29th, from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting their weekly first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 23. It's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Arizona time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Speak Poet via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Wednesday, September 30th, from 8.30 p.m. Beirut time, Sidewalk Beirut will be hosting their online open mic. And you can find out more information at Sidewalk underscore Beirut. That's on Instagram. Again, that's at Sidewalk underscore Beirut on Instagram to find out more information. From 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nuijinan TV will be hosting their Nuijinan's Got Talent, which showcases indigenous youths between 13 and 25 via Instagram Live. You can RSVP to participate at Nuijinan TV. That's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. Again, that's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. From 3 to 5 p.m. Arizona Time, ASU Library Labriola Center will be hosting their Indigenous Poetry Workshop with our past poet guest, Amber McCrary. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 470000427317686. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events four seven zero 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 four two seven three one seven six eight six. 
from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Kave Kanam, Kundaman, and Milkwee Editions will be hosting a reading and conversation with Aime, Nezukumatelhi, and Roske. You can find out more information and register at kavekhanampoets.org forward slash event. Again, that's at kavekhanampoets.org forward slash event. Kavekhanam is spelled C-A-V-E-C-A-N-E-M. Again, that's C-A-V-E-C-A-N-E-M. From 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Prince George's County Memorial Library System will be hosting their open mic with Diane Wilburn Parks. You can find out more information by going to pgcmls.info forward slash virtual hyphen events. Again, that's pgcmls.info forward slash virtual dash events. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Books Are Magic will be hosting their Ignite, an evening with the offing, Pank, and the Rumpus, featuring Jody Chan, Golden, Marlon M. Jenkins, Raven Leilani, Monica Prince, and Erica T. Worth. You can find out more information and sign up at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 145 216 910-499-1168. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 145-216-910-499-1168. From 8 p.m. Eastern Time, a poet named Superman will be hosting his release therapy open mic via Instagram Live at a poet named Superman. Again, that's at a poet named Superman on Instagram. On Thursday, October 1st, from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Tiny Cover will be hosting their virtual poetry night. And you can find out more information and register at thetinycover.com forward slash events. Again, that's thetinycover.com forward slash events. From 7 to 8 p.m. Arizona Time, Phonetic Spit will be hosting their weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Phonetic Spit. That's at P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. Again, that's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. From Friday, October 2nd to Friday, October 9th, La Tendra Revista will be hosting the London Spanish Book and Zine Fair. And you can find out more information at London Spanish Book Fair on Instagram. Again, that's at London Spanish Book Fair on Instagram. From October 2nd to October 18th, Lost in the Letters will be hosting the Letters Festival. You can find out more information at Letters Festival on Instagram. Again, that's Letters Festival on Instagram. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Kave Kanam will be hosting their Poetry Prize reading with Czech Wube Denladi. You can find out more information at kavekanampoets.org forward slash event. 
Again, that's at kavekanampoets.org forward slash event. From 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Marquise 10,000 Burton will be hosting his live poetry freestyling via Instagram Live at 10,000 Poetry. Again, that's at 10,000 Poetry. On Saturday, October 3rd, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, New Women's Space will be hosting their open mic night. You can find out more information and sign up at newwomenspace.com forward slash events. Again, that's newwomenspace.com forward slash events. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Arizona time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Speak Poets Saturday via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Sunday, October 4th, from 5 to 7 p.m. British Summertime, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their open mic. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 602-816-647-022-068. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 602-816-647-022-068. From 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Pure Ink Poetry, run by our past poet guest, Brandon Williamson, will be hosting the Video Slam. You can find out more information and register at pureinkpoetry.com. Again, that's at pureinkpoetry.com. And now let us turn to our Poet Guest of the Week, June Powers. Hi, June. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. So you brought with you the poem, Coworkers. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, and I, I live in Arizona now. Mm-hmm. And my work life has been fairly colorful, mm-hmm. uh, worked a lot in retail, I've worked on cruise ships, digital merchandising, mm-hmm. got into supplements for a while, and caregiving. Mm-hmm. All of these things make great stories, great writing. Mm-hmm. My style of writing is narrative most of the time, so you feel like you're reading a little story, mm-hmm. and I enjoy writing about uh, social issues. Mm-hmm. Nature, uh, beauty, mm-hmm. trauma, emotional health, and love. Mm-hmm. Writing is what comes naturally to me. I enjoy all art forms. Mm-hmm. I wrote as a child and then got away from it. So in about, I guess it was about 2013, I got back into it, mm-hmm. and I have been writing ever since. Wow. You said you've always written, and you also dabble in different, both literary and other art forms. I was wondering when you came to poetry, uh, if you remember how. The second time around? Um, First time. First time, how I came to it. Oh, how did I actually pick up a pen and put the words together? Now we're going way back. (laughs) You can tell me, you can tell me your Second time, first, if you want. Well, the second time, I took a class. Mm. And I live in an apartment, so I was trying to think of something creative to do that didn't 
a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I used to make scarves, and that would make a mess all over the place. So I thought, mm-hmm. let's try to get back into writing. And the class was an introductory class, so we got to write fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I just thought right to write I couldn't wait to get the class. First time around, I was often asked to do birthday cards, things for holidays, mm-hmm. eulogies, like a poem to, to read at the service if someone passed away. Right. But in order to ask me to do that, you had to know I could do that in the first place. I don't know. <laughs> Just one day I picked up a pen. Right, right. <laughs> I yeah. spent a lot of time outside when I was a child, so I probably was writing about nature and I would show it to my mom and then went on from there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you you live, you said just outside of Philadelphia, right? Yeah, Bucks County. Okay. What brought you to Arizona? Friends. Okay. Weather. Uh-huh. And just wanting to try living in a place extremely different. Very, um, very different. Got tired of the snow, and yet this is very different. <laughs> yeah. uh, we seemed to, the spring had disappeared for a little while. Yeah. We just went from gray winter days, and then zoom, you know, one week of spring, and then into 90 to 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, I'm tired of this. Mm, wow. Did you like just directly move here or did you visit and realize this is something that you can you can live with? I visited about three times before I made up my mind. Okay. Okay, cool. I don't know the setting of the poem that you're about to read for us. But I guess we can talk about that afterwards. Uh, if you don't mind reading that for us, then we can we can talk about it. I would love to read something. Great, thank you. Co-workers. The youngish girls stood to the side of the office. Their earshot expressions and soft whispers gave the somewhat suspicious impression of importance. An important conversation going on about the cat or the bills the cat created. They stood to the side, whispering, gesturing as if in another country, like France, with the language sounding twice as amazing and important because it is another language, sounding confident and beautiful, and you want to know exactly what they are saying about their cats so much. The youngish girls moved to the front, near the copy machine, releasing ordinary from their grip so concepts could now be included. No more cats. The concept of an ex-boyfriend who calls, opposed to a boyfriend who doesn't call, was now on the table. Heavy stuff from the youngish girls, who never got to be girls, having babies and cats and ex-boyfriends at 14 or 16. The experience of concepts completed all in a frenzy, without time to question sincerity or health insurance or how to say baby or cat in French. Le bébé a mange le chat. 
the youngish girls stepped outside for cigarettes and to further enhance their discussion attention-wise without interference from fluorescent lighting. Their expressions were the same as when they stood inside, but they believed differently. They believed they were different in the same way as everyone else. They believed and made up facts and reinforced them with each other. Each knew for certain their boyfriends would call tonight, tomorrow latest. The youngish girls stayed outside, keeping the discussion of concepts concise and realistic to leave room for extras, surprises from the doctor or Facebook. They whispered in a language of confidence and seriousness, where every single sentence sounded twice as important as the next one, twice as important as it really was, but standing near them, you desperately wanted to know what happened to the cat and how much was the bill. Thank you. Appreciate that. I really like the packet that you submitted, and, and I wasn't sure if all of them are form part of the new chapbook that you are in the process of finishing. I sent you a, what is the right word? So <laughs> some of them, I think I sent four poems and two are in the book, two are not. Okay. But they will be. They will be in the collection, so this is going to be expanded. Okay, great. Because they are, as you said, a melange. I am very curious to find out, because they're, they're very different from each other, what made you decide to write this particular poem? Last two years. My style of organizing the writing was I had very specific subjects and each book had a particular focus mm -hmm. and there were certain topics that I wanted to make sure that I covered. So child encompasses social justice mm -hmm. and how we affect each other, just one person and uh, have such an effect right. on a group. I wanted to make sure I touched on the fact that people have a tendency to point the finger at other people and say, oh, look how they live and look at those girls. And there are girls all over the place that are thrown into motherhood or caring situations at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And they must adapt. Mm -hmm. They survive and they develop skills. And one of those skills is support from each other, from other people in a similar situation. Mm. And, but they have a, they create an, a network and a language mm -hmm. and a way, special way, special type of logic that might not actually be realistic, but mm. it works for them and mm. it gets them through. Right. So I chose the, the title and, and the placement because the other part of the poem that's going on is the narrator actually feels excluded. Mm -hmm. And this is something else that goes on quite often. People feel excluded from a particular conversation. Mm -hmm. And the conversation very often sounds, because you can't hear it all or want to be a part, it sounds like it, it must be wonderful. It must be fantastic I'm being <laughs> left out. And really, it might be something so simple, like the cat. But mm -hmm. still, you're in a social situation, and you want to So that is touched on in the poem. Right, right. When was this written? This was written last year. Okay. okay. Um, 
were there any autobiographical elements to this? Or I, I mean, it, given the oh yes, okay. Of <laughs> <laughs> which parts of it? Which parts? A work situation mm-hmm. where people used to sort of cuddle, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was never involved in that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Reading it because it seems like such a you know just an everyday scene that you encounter at work you know an office gossip scene and it's just written very matter-of-factly but it reveals so much about you know as you said there are two parts about the girls themselves which is the focus of the narrator's storytelling but then there's the narrator who just by the way that they are. The language that they're using, that feeling of being excluded, as you said, I was wondering if the conversation in itself is real as well, or was it something that's that's completely an invention from your mind? Not an invention. Okay. Okay. And again, it's really interesting how you use this idea of a French, a foreign language, or a language. Not just any foreign language, but one that's been pitted as some kind of epitome of foreign languages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, it's a, well, when you hear French, doesn't it sound? They're just talking about the groceries, but doesn't it sound like they're about to rebuild the Eiffel Tower? I mean, it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that you chose French because I actually, I speak French, I mean, less and less so now, but at some point I have become fluent and lost all the romantic ideas that I associated with French because I suddenly understood it and everybody was just talking about the same mundane stuff as anybody else in any other language. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. (laughs) So when I read that, I was like, oh, yes, yes, I know how that feels. (laughs) I'm glad you can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. And I think French is probably one of the most popular foreign languages to take, like, in high school or, you know, for your school requirement. (laughs) And I really enjoyed how you, again, just, you hint at the world that the girls have or the ex-young girls now less young and you know more in the workplace now professionals and still sort of manifesting their girlhood you know they're not entirely mature yet how you give snippets of their story and the world that they are they're couching themselves in to almost just like the use of French to sort of romanticize their own lives. Yes, because they take themselves very seriously. <laughs> They're all into it. Right. There's a sadness to it, of course, because, you know, you talk about the ex, ex-boyfriends who call, the current boyfriends who don't call, and the fact that they were, they were teen moms. All these like snippets of information that could let the reader go into a tangent, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, but, that but, is the idea. 
I I enjoy picking maybe a touchy subject or one that most people don't usually talk about or they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I find it it makes it easier for people to digest mm-hmm. when it's in a story form or a poem form. Yeah. And then you can sort of get through you know, start to think. I was wondering how you wrote this poem when it comes to just hinting at these stories rather than fully go into these tangents. Was it something that you wrote out and then cut out later on during the editing process or something that you never went into fully? No, this was one of those Virginia Woolf-type first draft <laughs> <laughs> where... It just came out the way it came out. Mm. I didn't have to revise very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once I made up my mind what I wanted to say and got started, the words started flowing. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have to cut very much. I mean, I had to, in the end, rearrange a little bit. Mm-hmm. Each time, is it's lovely when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I used the, the name Virginia Woolf because it was my understanding that she did very little revision Okay. with her writing. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's what I've read. Right. But then there are times when that happens and you think, oh, this is great. And then you look at it a month later and it's like, no, not really. You better fix that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, I imagine you also have the opposite, where there's a poem that you're fixing, fixing, but then later on you go back to it and then you thought, oh, actually, this, this is good. Yes. All of the above. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess when, when we write enough, we will encounter all of these different perspectives about how we approach writing and how we approach editing afterwards. I agree. I would agree with that. In the beginning, when you first write something, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this might work. But I, I think it's, it's best to let the words sort of simmer, mm-hmm. percolate a bit, let them talk to you, give it some time. Mm-hmm. At the same time you're writing, you as a person may be changing also. Right, right. Yeah. I have found that writing has a way of improving your viewpoint mm-hmm. or maybe maturing you as a person in attitude, mm-hmm. not age. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think it's best not to rush it. Mm-hmm. Last year I went to Chicago and attended a marvelous slam up there mm-hmm. and was able to do something I had never done before. Mm-hmm. There was a poet who was about to speak, but he didn't say anything for a few minutes. And he just stood there and he has such a sculptural face, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then he started and the subject he was talking about, it must have taken every 
counts of courage mm. to say what he said. And I just started writing a poem sitting there to kind of answer him or support him. Mm. And at that moment, because, you know, you're all caught up in the slam and having a great time, and this wonderful experience. So I gave him the poem and he said, thank you. And I looked at that poem later and I thought, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I didn't, I did rewrite it. I saved it. Mm, Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of inspiration myself when I attend open mics, listen to other poets, even just the rhythm of people's, you know, the what they read, uh, their pieces can be very inspiring. Sometimes I feel like I get caught up in the rhythm and then I write something in a similar rhythm, or at least I start off writing a similar rhythm. And, and then by the end, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't keep up with this rhythm. <laughs> I understand. It's inspiring. It, it really is. There yeah. are so, so many different techniques and things I, I didn't know were available and would never have thought of. Mm-hmm. One of the most clever things that I've, I've heard, and it, it was at an open mic here in Phoenix, and the poem is called Subliminal. Mm-hmm. The person posted on Instagram, I don't know if he's still there, Mm-hmm. But he spoke in a monotone as if he was actually giving you a subliminal message. Mm-hmm. And he used a certain type of, he had some music recorded on uh, his phone, but it was just one tone. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm getting this right. And I believe he used a certain type of microphone. It was fantastic. Mm. Wow. Just these little extra things really made it. It was a good poem anyway. Right. Well, going back to your poem, I know we talked about your, uh, in general, like for your book, Girls, that you wanted to talk about because you want to talk about the human condition. And and so, you know, it comes through very clearly in this particular poem, in this snippet of life um, that you show us. But I, I wonder if there was anything specific that, prompted you to write this particular poem? For this particular book, I did a lot of research. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was looking into was the condition of child bride mm-hmm. that still exists. Mm-hmm. And this came up around that time. So in a way, it's kind of correlation mm-hmm. because the age group can be the same. Mm-hmm. In some countries, the child bride can be as young as 10 years old. Mm. And I was looking mostly at uh, Nepal mm-hmm. and some African tribes. Mm. And I would say an, an average age between 12 and 14. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's always an age gap between the bride and the groom. But even, even closer to home in, in the U.S., each state has a different legal age, and they can set their own legal age. And there are a number, I forget which ones now, but I remember reading the news a couple of years ago, but you know, even more recently, there are still states that 
considers people who are 16 as the legal age of consent for, for sexual matters. And that's, you know, worrying in some ways, even though I, I'm, I'm very much for the, uh, the ability to vote when you're 18, given yeah. the fact that, you know, 18, an 18-year-old can be drafted. The fact is, now we learn with science, the brain does not mature until uh, people are in their mid to late 20s. So it kind of make you rethink on the definition of adulthood. Absolutely. So, it, and it's not fair to women. It's not fair to children. And people know it, and still we're a little bit slow there to do something about. Well, it's it's to the advantage of people who take advantage of the system, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. Now, uh, Nepal actually this year is supposed to change their laws. Oh, okay. Uh, I have to check. And, mm-hmm. and really, I mean, the law is already there. They just never enforce it. Mm-hmm. And they are supposed to start with enforcement and allowing more girls to attend school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to check. Space. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's part of the, although the timeline, deadline has passed, the UN, some kind of millennial goals or something, something. Yes. Um, which I think they've pushed back to 2015 or something. I mean, like we're five years past that now. I, I have to check because it's been a while since I checked those dates. But, you know, as I said, both both over there, I mean, throughout the world, it's it's still happening. And, of course, there's... Plenty of uh, trafficking of both women and girls for sexual labor, but also just labor and the trafficking of men as well for labor in general. Yes. And lack of education, we know it is one of the, well, it's not one of the causes, but certainly it, it locks girls into this poverty and overpopulation as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot... It's it's very interesting the how important it is to educate women and to educate girls because girls have the tendency when they're educated to bring back the knowledge to educate to try to educate people around them um, to spread the knowledge around. That's how women are brought up to do that rather than. I mean, I know it's always both nature and nurture at the same time. I hesitate to assign it as nature you know the uh, I think your hesitation is is valid because so many things that we experience or have experienced up until now we assumed as normal or we were told uh, they were part of a woman and nature and it could be just because there was no opportunity for something else mm-hmm mm-hmm or no discussion, or the person was never raised any other way. Right. So it is unfortunate that it takes you know, uprisings for us to pay attention. Mm. But I think one of the most important things about educating women and girls is not the education itself, it's the empowerment. Right. And the, the feeling that they can 
contribute and they can take care of themselves. Right, right. Just a huge boost in the self-worth, self-esteem mm-hmm. category. And yes, I agree with you. They have a tendency to, it spreads. It spreads because they want to share. Mm-hmm. One of the other areas that I was looking into was Lima and mm-hmm. the amount of kids, Lima, Peru, the amount of kids that live on the street. Mm-hmm. And some of these kids are little. Mm-hmm. We're accustomed to hearing about teenagers who, you know, rebellious, they ran away from home or whatever. Mm-hmm. But these are situations where maybe they were in foster care and the foster parents were mean to them, so they ran away. Mm-hmm. It's not always their fault. Mm-hmm. Um, or death in the family, nobody can take care of them, all kinds of reasons. Mm-hmm. And they say that as young as six years old, some of them, wow. they're on their own. Wow. And there are programs to get the kids into sports. Mm-hmm. They're creating teams, mm-hmm. uh, field hockey, soccer, things like that. And it's working. Mm-hmm. They're, they're showing up for the practice. They're getting into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, there is similar problems in the U.S. as well, where I think now in the last few decades, we're hearing more about not just runaway teens, but also why people run away, right? It's not just disgruntled teens, you know, whatever that means. (laughs) The fact that there are so many identities that are not accepted as part of what is possible for, um, especially when... Uh, a child is going through their teenage puberty years. So already an angsty period. And to add onto that, just the rejection of them by either parents or, or guardians or, or immediate family members or their situations. You can understand why it leads to them running away and also it leaves them to become vulnerable to trafficking. Um, yeah. Forcing, forcing them into the sex trade and yeah, domestic sex trade. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, when you are just reading this poem, you don't think of all of those. It seems just like some a piece about go, uh, office gossip on, on the surface, but obviously it is not. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really... I think that's that's one of the reasons I like having these discussions because you you never know when you're sitting with a poem what the writer means by it or how the writer arrived at writing it. So it's nice to raise the curtains and see what's behind it. Um, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Can I copy? Raise the curtains. Oh, I think I'm actually late with this. This is this is from um, which Macaulay. <laughs> Yellow Brick Road, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. I can't I can't think of it. Um, Oz? Dor- yeah, from Oz. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, Dorothy, that's my girl. Pay <laughs> no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 think, I think that's a, a lot of life is that people telling us not to pay attention to the men or, or men, actually, <laughs> behind the curtain. Really, literally <laughs> men behind the curtain. <laughs> you weren't going to go there, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when it's, when it's appropriate, when it's the right, you know. 
Going back to the more surfacing, uh, surface aspects of this poem, I send you my poem, which is also about coworkers, and it's called Narcissist's Delight. So I'm, I'm going to read that, and we can talk about it. Okay. Hey, Narcissus, grown, drowning. That's supposed to be drowning. Wow, spelling error. Let me begin again. Hey, Narcissus, drowning in a sea of yourselfness. Did you like the seat you chose in that bright square room opposite the hang rectangular silver back reflecting pool? Is every hair in place? Don't look too hard. You might get lost in the depth your imagination created. Don't accidentally trap yourself in an infinite spiral of fabrication. Bravo. Thank you, thank you. Reading this, I just realized how gossipy I sound. Oh, I don't know. I want to stick to the word drowning versus drowning. (laughs) I actually thought you meant drowning on purpose, and I like that. Thank you. I just considered it part of your wordplay. I wish. I wish. Yeah, maybe you want to keep it. Because we're accustomed to the phrase drowning in the sea. We're not accustomed to droning. Mm. And that sort of gives the idea that this person is like this all the time. And they just go on and on and on. So um, it kind of emphasizes the situation. Mm. And I, I really liked the droning. Thank you. Thank you. I like the idea of turning spelling errors into deliberate play oh, yeah. on words. Yeah, I might, I might just keep it. This is a pretty old poem. When I wrote this, I was on the verge of falling out of a crush with this guy, okay. who's a coworker. Oh. And it was at this moment. This was during a, a work meeting that we had that I noticed that he was he was looking at himself in the mirror of the room that we were in. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the meeting? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I guess most of, both of us were distracted, but, you know, by different things. <laughs> Sounds like he was distracted by himself. <laughs> yes, very much so. I mean, that's why that's why I wrote this, because I, I find that despite the fact that I like somebody, or even intensely like somebody, I, I still... I'm critical of when I see faults. I guess it's almost like it's almost painful to see it because you're like, but no, but 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 I love yeah. you. <laughs> Can't be that way. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really you, is it? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's it's sort of like the the same thing that we talked about with French. You know, it's like realizing that people are just saying exactly the same mundane thing that anybody else yeah. is saying or are saying in a, in another language. <laughs> it, it's that losing that beautiful dream-like quality with your crush, um, whether it's French or or a person. Right. <laughs> Now I, that you told me the prompt for this, I'm looking at the next sentence a little bit differently. Did you like the seat you chose in that bright square room 
which I, I like the play on shapes, square room and rectangle, mm -hmm. silver. And in the bright square room, sort of said to me that this person really feels that the sun shines just on them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing and my I tendency. Like, I like the fact that you didn't use the word mirror. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I did, as I do now, try to avoid using the same words and also, as any poet, right, try to do, is, uh, sure, we could just be straightforward and say, well, we meet in, like, two words, but isn't it much more beautiful and fun to write it in four sentences instead? Exactly. <laughs> and I, I think as you we're doing with your poem of trying to make people think by not going into the backstory, by just sort of like mentioning it almost as a, a, a subliminal flash. I'm also trying to, to do the same thing, having consideration of the audience and thinking, how can I capture the audience attention? What if I say this thing that everybody encounters in this way? Uh, and certainly, I, I feel like you did notice exactly what I should have noticed at that time and still deny, despite this poem, uh, how <laughs> just exactly how narcissistic the person, person it, was. Yeah. So, yeah, it might still be. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I mean, he, he was quite good looking, so, you know, like, it's not without reason, certainly, to a degree, that he's probably used to people ogling him. In fact, I remember him complaining to me that he was being treated like a piece of meat. Well, it sounds like himself that way. He might have, yeah, yeah. I can't claim to have known him well, so. But certainly, this is, this is somebody that, I was both in amor with and, and had a lot of objections to because this is not the uh, only critical poem I wrote about him. Um, oh, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I think, I think it's interesting to look back on these poems that even though in some way a part of you knew exactly the problems, yet... Uh, your heart is still like, but my heart beats for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Leading you down a fiery path. That's right. <laughs> Very much so. Very <laughs> much so. I, I feel like looking at this poem now, there's a lot of obvious things, but because, again, it's it's an old poem, I appreciate that you picked up on this other, in your interpretation of, of the bright square room of him being used to the attention, which I, oh, I yes. yeah, which I believe he is looking back. I don't know if you see certain similarities between our poems. Well, first I have a, just a, a comment of using the name Narcissus. It sort of struck me that now that name does not have to be gender specific mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so which leaves which leaves the poem open mm -hmm. and I like that also mm -hmm. even though 
originally Narcissus was a male, but it doesn't have to be. Right, right. I think the main thing I picked up on as the, the similarity is how both sets of folks create their own little world. Mm. They support themselves with things that basically only they believe are important or true. Mm. And so imagination. Mm. You have the phrase, in the depth of your imagination created. Mm. And uh, I think mine was more about their conversation in general. But it was only from their point of view, not the larger world's point of view. Right, right. I I think in... Aside from what you pointed out, there is also the similarity of the narrator. In some ways, we are judging the characters that we're depicting as well. Um, yes, yes, that's true. Very true. And I, I feel like there is also, especially now that you talked about it, the, the sense of exclusion. Because just from the actual lived life experience as well as, I, I think that it comes through with the poem as well, that he was self-involved and not really... There was no interaction. Yes. Well, it would have been nice if the person in your poem was actually looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be the idea. <laughs> that was, yeah. left you out and chose to look at himself. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think that's very similar in that feeling of exclusion that you have in your poem as well. He's, yeah these girls forming a clique and, and having these conversations about regular life, but that they've sort of, they talk about it, they concentrate on it so much that it becomes a um, deity or on its own, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an oh my God category, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, it, maybe a decade or two if they write poems they might be looking at it as I am looking at this poem that I wrote about the sky it's, it's realizing what a terrible choice he would have been had yes. had anything happened it's an and it's still totally bizarre that this was in the middle of a meeting <laughs> <laughs> I'm not over that part yet <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, and I'm, I'm, I swear I'm not making excuses for him, it's just, you know, I, I'm sure you've been to, like, these pan-office meetings where the subject has nothing to do with what you do, or even relating to your department's work. Oh, yeah. You're just bored. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, I think I must have been in the same shoes besides liking him because I was paying more attention to him than what was in the meeting. <laughs> That's true, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, A for transparency. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always interesting to read something like a workplace poem, right? To see both how we see the our colleagues, our view of our colleagues, and, well, the ultimate reflection on ourselves 
in how we see them, how we choose to depict them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ah, that word reflection mm-hmm. is key because the way that it is related to water mm-hmm. in your poem caught my attention also because you were able to bring that feeling pretty much through the whole poem, mm-hmm. starting off with the sea and using words that relate to that, like depth. Mm-hmm. And things that we think of whenever we think of water, and I thought that was very clever. Mm. Thank you, appreciate that. I stayed with uh, Narcissus the the story. Mm-hmm. I stayed with that story and used I, and put him in. Um, I didn't really veer outside of that, like very that imagery of Narcissus looking at himself. And almost drowning. I mean, he didn't. He didn't accidentally fall in and die. Although he probably did, metaphorically speaking. And now you have a big decision to make: drowning or droning. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder uh, because I. I tend to, especially when I write factual poems, which I guess this uh-huh. is more one of those, where even though obviously the, the metaphor is not factual, I guess sort of I have to backtrack from what I just said before because he is drowning, isn't he? Like I, even the first line, I basically tell the story backwards. I give mm-hmm. the I give the ending first. I, <laughs> I can see that, like Columbo. Yeah, I yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do I do feel like I guess to me he did drown himself. Um so it's very much in keeping with the narcissist the mythology. And yes. it's funny because I remember through this poem, I don't remember the actual <laughs> incident. Oh. It's funny how memory works. Yeah. Um Well, in this case that sounds like that's for the best. probably probably um yeah yeah i really appreciate it like your poem not only for itself for for the subjects that it touched on for the subjects that it suggested and let the reader think about but also how it made me look at this poem more closely because i don't I, some, I, I do read my poems again, but I don't know if I would have, like, analyzed it or picked it apart the way that we have here. If, you know, I didn't read your poem. I'm wanting to respond to your poem with something that's somewhat in, this, in a similar vein in the sense of an observation in the office environment. Right. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you were telling me before we started recording about how you are now treading into Instagram. So yes. do you now do sort of photos or graphics? Because I know you do visual art as well. Do you do visual uh, graphics and set your poems on top of those? or? I stick to 
I arrange things in groups of three, mm. knowing that that is how they're going to end up right. in the collage. Mm. So the a set of three has some relationship mm-hmm. to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the photograph, the colors, and the poem. Mm. So this is really a new experience because when I wrote the poem, they were not written with the photograph in mind. Mm. I just happen to have a lot of photographs. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have something that goes with it, then I'll, I'll take Well, now that I'm on Instagram, I'm constantly taking pictures. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy that anyway. Right. So I, I guess it comes together. Right now, I'm allowing myself to grow with the process. I started off, I was just going to focus on poems that were in the book. Mm-hmm. But then once I saw how the page looked, it sort of has a little life <laughs> mm. of its own. Mm-hmm. And I'm inspired to write something else or add something else. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about the book. I'm allowing myself the freedom to post whatever I want to post. Mm-hmm. If it's brand new, fine. If it's old, fine. So long as it works. Mm-hmm. The purpose seems to get to know who I am, mm-hmm. and so I think that purpose is being addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure the poems and the photos that I started with. It almost the, the very very early posts almost looked like a travelogue. Mm-hmm. They were photos from uh, trips, and I have. To do I want to continue with that and open a second page that just focuses on poetry or guide this page more of a book direction? There have been several things that have come up as far as writing industry Mm -hmm. that have made, this should be easy, I mean you should just do what you want, but it's not. There are certain things that are customary, that are expected, mm-hmm. that people are accustomed to relating to, and if they see something different, it's like, oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I notice an awful lot of writers, they, their work is posted there, and then you have what relates to writing. Well, it comes to So everybody has to come to me. <laughs> And I, my persona is always challenged. Let's challenge that. Let's do something different. Mm-hmm. That's, it's not even outside the box. There's no box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see what else we can do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play with it some more, so long as it looks neat and presentable mm-hmm. and is easy to follow. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things about Instagram is that it's, you can easily get sucked into or even in, become enslaved to <laughs> posting on Instagram, you know. Oh, yeah. It's on my mind all the time. Yeah, yeah. More than it should be. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, the presentation. And also, you know, you as a self-published writer is you are your own marketer so you have to be thinking about 
how to present things and whether or not to have a dedicated page for your book or just let it be a part of your personal page. These are questions that if you are through the traditional route, you don't have to think about as much. Sometimes it's a little bit too much, I feel like. I definitely have cut down the posting myself because it's just, I feel like I have enough items that I'm juggling with. <laughs> I don't That's need the, That is the perfect phrase. And I just said it to myself last night. I have enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We we should actually give people your Instagram information and and other other links the social media links that you have since we're talking uh, about it. Okay, and Instagram is if you put in my name, it's going to come up. Mm-hmm. Or the link is Mama Tried Six Oh Nine. Yeah, I was just on it. I'm looking at some of your photos. Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the tea thing because I just took a <laughs> took a photo of my teacup the other day, not because I wanted to be writerly uh, looking, but because the steam looked amazing, and I just wanted to capture it, and it just went come out, and it was driving me crazy. Oh. So I wrote a poem instead. I was like, ah, forget this. I'm, I'm just going to write a poem describing this. That'll do. That, sounds, that sounds like an amazing idea. I like that steam idea. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know why it was doing that uh, on that particular day. and I was attending a virtual reading, and it was just, I guess it just put me in the mood to observe that, and it was very romantic. In any case... I just want to make sure, are you planning to read anywhere? Do you have any favorite virtual readings that you attend that you want to share with us? I don't have a plan Mm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. There will be. Mm -hmm. When I read, it'll be posted on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Did you give us your Facebook? Facebook is just June Power. Okay. Okay, wonderful. So I'll direct people to those two links and so they can follow you and figure out, uh, you know, stalk you, basically. <laughs> I feel like I'm facilitating yeah. stalking. <laughs> there's, um, there's an author's page on Amazon also, so you can follow there. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, did you, I think you gave me that link as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I see it. Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll give them all three so they can, they can try, they can discover how stalker-like they are in their personalities by the choice of which ones to follow. <laughs> you know, after the um, Calabras open mic, I actually got a very nice, very polite comment on Instagram. Not stalkerly at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for your time Uh, I really appreciate it I appreciate the enlightening talk and also the fun different tangents we went on thank you so much for having me yeah of course 
You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.